0: Hello. It is Tuesday, May fourth. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is uh, another edition of the Almost Daily. Come on now, MMA podcast. I'm thinking about going to three or four days a week. That'll give me time to put better videos up on YouTube, get more content on those videos. It'll also give me more time to look into some stories and get into more detail on those stories and just, I think, provide better content. I'm playing with the idea. It'll also give maybe longer um, podcasts, so you get more information in them. A lot of things I'm just thinking about, um, and then it doesn't inundate everybody with a, 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 a thing every day when they might not have time or want to listen to something every day. But these are just thoughts right now. Um, so I'm kind of playing things by ear. What I'm doing is kind of looking at this as if i have four or five things to discuss a day then i will do a podcast if i don't i'll hold off till the next day that's kind of where i'm at right now but we'll see how it plays out i just don't want to you know do something just because it's tuesday and i feel i have to do it i'd rather provide some kind of decent content here and some days there's just not that much to talk about but Today there is, and I'm going to start off with Eugene Behrman, who is Israel Adesanya's coach. Uh, Behrman is probably one of the, well, he is one of the brightest minds in MMA. When I was in New Zealand, I met with him and I probably could have easily spend the entire day talking to him. It was, it was a great conversation. It was a revealing conversation. And he came across he's, as someone who was dedicated to his craft. And extremely intelligent and well spoken about the craft, could tell you a lot of things about his fighters, about other fighters. His approach was a little different than what I've seen from other coaches. And he was just an all-around good guy. He kind of got that impression that he was he was happy to talk. Uh, he was excited to talk about these this these things. And, you know, he was it was a great conversation. It could have went on. A lot longer but I was on vacation and he had a, a, a class coming in and other than that probably would have spent all day with him so if you ever get a chance to go to New Zealand head to his gym um, but he spoke about Robert Whittaker turning down the chance to fight Adesanya and I think it was in June and here's what he had to say for me it's a very strange decision if you give us this situation or even if you take the last fight we were going in it with multiple injuries. There's certain things you just don't turn down, don't matter no matter what, don't matter how much family you got waiting for you. Not trying to be insensitive towards his family and all that, but there's certain things in this sport, you reach a certain pinnacle that you've been reaching and you don't give them away. That was very unexpected for us. If the shoes on the other foot were fighting the through out of sign his arm falling off. Oh my guys, their arms are falling off, half off. We're still fighting. When it comes to the title, this the decision gets made for you. You make whatever sacrifices are necessary. But Robert, he makes his own decisions. He was given the opportunity, as I understand by the FCC, and I guess it's gone to Vittori. And then he goes on to say that with this decision, Whitaker heads to the back of the line. Now I'll go back to what I said earlier about Behrman. I respect what he says. I value his opinion on things, but I think in this case, he's, maybe he's right for his fighters, but he's not right for all fighters. And Robert Whitaker is not all fighters because Robert Whitaker, one, is a former champion. Two, has had issues with burnout. And so Robert Whitaker, when he took that break, he discovered some things about himself. And one of those things he discovered was that he needs to make time for his family and make time for his life. And so he readjusted his schedule and he made those changes and he's been happier with those changes. Now, if you're happier in your personal life, that's going to extend to your to your business life. And in Robert Whitaker's business life, his business is fighting. So he's happier at home. He's happier training. He's happier doing everything in his life. He's found a balance that makes him happy and so I don't think Whitaker should be criticized for that plus the, the time was too short for him to have a decent camp now you can say that some fighters would take like Behrman says here you sh- would say that some fighters should take that opportunity no matter what and I would kind of agree but I think once you reach the pinnacle of the champion and you're a former champion and you're still the number one ranked fighter or in the top two well then you have to look out for yourself. You have to consider, if I take this fight too soon and lose, I'm not going to get a third fight with this guy for a long, long while. So you want to be in the best shape possible at the best time possible when you take that fight. So Whitaker is a different situation in there as well. So I, I, I think the big picture needs to be looked at. And I don't think Whitaker should be pressured and I'm not saying, Ades- saying Behrman's doing that, but I think Behrman's using these sweeping statements when they are not true for everyone. And so you, you take what Behrman says here, I think take it with a grain of salt because I think while it's unfortunate that Whitaker is not going to fight Adesanya right now, this opens up a big opportunity for his fighter and more of his fighters because by the time Whitaker can fight again. There should be the opportunity to either fight in a stadium, to probably fight in a stadium in New Zealand, probably more New Zealand than in Australia, just because of the way um, the pandemic might have been handled and the way that New Zealand is fully open. Now, there's going to probably be some limits to that because of the UFC and because of how New Zealand is handing people coming in, but. I think that if you book a event far enough in advance and get your travel all set up and have fighters who are agreeable to, to do whatever quarantine needs to be done in, in New Zealand, then you can probably book that fight card. You're going to have to book it well, well in advance so that we know the UFC isn't doing that right now, but the opportunity to have a full stadium in New Zealand be- with a fight between Israel Adesanya and Robert Whittaker, barring Vitoria getting the win, I think is something that you say. Well, all right, Robert Whittaker moved back up to the to the front of the line with this. The opportunity is too big, not just for Adesanya, but for all of all of Behrman's fighters in New Zealand. So I think when push comes to shove, I think this fight will take place. I hope, hope, hope it takes place in a stadium in New Zealand in front of. Uh, you know 50,000 60,000 people and I hope that Behrman goes back on this that says that Whitaker goes back to the back of the line because it's not fair it's not fair to Adesanya it's not fair to Whitaker it's not fair to the fans it's not fair to anyone to kind of make this statement and say that Whitaker should have taken the fight when it's probably against his better interests in both his physical and his mental health. And I don't think we take too I don't think we take as an, as an MMA community, I don't think we take the uh, mental health aspect of things to heart very often or very well. But Whitaker burned out and he reset and now he knows what's working for him. So don't change that just because you don't agree with it. So hopefully this works out in the end for everyone. But I don't agree with uh, Eugene Behrman on this, but his opinion is valid. I just don't I just don't agree with it. So it is what it is. So Sean O'Malley is going into his seventh fight in the UFC, I think, and he's gonna be fighting Louis Smolka. Fine, fine fight, but does it is it the fight that O'Malley should be in right now? Neither fighter is ranked. O'Malley is saying that he is the biggest fight in the UFC right now. He's calling out Dominic Cruz. He's clearly ready to fight someone that's ranked, in his mind. The UFC is holding him back, it looks like, giving him, I won't say favorable matchups, but matchups that aren't terrible for him. They are probably a little under his where he should be. They're not giving him the fights he wants, I don't think. They're giving him the fights where they can build him up or give him the opportunity to build himself up. That's how it seems. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But he, he should be fighting ranked fighters by now, and he's not. It kind of gives me a, and I'm, I'm not going to say that this is equal, but it kind of gives me a, a Michael Page kind of vibe where we're waiting now. When is this guy going to move up and face tougher competition? Smoke is no walk in the park. He's a veteran fighter. But if you look at his record, he's up and down. So I don't think he's someone that, that O'Malley picked out and said, that's the guy I want to fight. I think if Mo- O'Malley had his, his, uh, his way, he'd be fighting a ranked opponent. And I think the UFC should give it to him. He's acting like he is the next big thing. The UFC believes he's going to be a big thing. The media believes he's going to be a big thing. Other fighters believe he's going to be, be a big thing. So why not test him? If he loses again... No big deal. The loss to Cheeto Vera, we know, was a legitimate loss. But we also know that O'Malley is going to act like it didn't happen and that the kick was some kind of freak accident. So let him keep acting like that. And then this will be his first loss if he loses to a ranked opponent. And no one's saying you have to put him against the top five. Put him in the top, you know, 12 to 15. Move him up slowly. But here we are. So we, we're putting up with, mm, that's the wrong phrase. We have a fighter who clearly wants to move up, clearly wants to be a big-time fighter, but the UFC is not giving him that opportunity. They're giving him the opportunity maybe to, to go viral, and maybe that's what old Mally wants. He just wants to be on highlight reels. It seemed that way in that last fight. And if that's the case, cool. But let's be honest about it then. Let's be honest that we're setting this guy up to be a highlight reel fighter, someone who's just going to be on highlight reels and. We're going to set him up to fight fighters who are one or two levels below his ability. Um, and okay, then he's a fun fighter. But I don't think that's what O'Malley wants in the big picture. I think he wants kind of a combination. But let, let's, let's be honest about it then. Is he going to be in this kind of limbo fighting below the top 15 and getting viral knockouts and viral stoppages? If so, cool. Then let us know that. And you don't have to let us know it directly. I mean, B- Bellator has been doing it with uh, Page for a long time. You know, it's just if he wins this fight and gets another booking outside the top 15, then I think we're in this point where Sean O'Malley is, a, is the UFC's version of Michael Venom Page. We're not there yet, but we 100% could be there in the not too distant future. On to the John Jones, Francis Ngannou, Derek Lewis saga, which has now pulled Daniel Cormier, Cormier into the fold. And here's what Cormier had to say when the topic of money was brought up, and I, this was with his um, with Ariel Hawani. And speaking of Jones here, I think he does deserve a large number. I don't believe if Conor McGregor, and I don't know what Conor makes. But I heard Conor makes like $15 million to show up, and then he gets all the pay-per-view. If Conor makes $15 million to show up, Jones shouldn't make what Conor McGregor makes. If Conor McGregor makes something in that range, Jones shouldn't make what Conor McGregor makes. It should be a tier beneath that. Does John Jones make what Habib makes? If Habib makes 8 to $10 million, yes. But I don't believe he should make what Conor McGregor makes. I do believe that Conor McGregor, there should be a difference in the pay scale because of what he has meant to the company but in the 8 million to 10 million range I think that works. I believe 100% certainty the USC would give Jones 10 million to show up and fight Francis Ngannou. I believe that. And that's him getting his money because he's never made 10 million before to show. He said he makes 5 million, right? So if he makes 5 million, then you're doubling what he makes to go and fight Francis. Okay. And let's start from the top here. Why would John Jones not deserve what conor mcgregor makes there's some fantasy here that conor mcgregor is the limit of what a ufc fighter can make but conor mcgregor has lost two of his last three fights and the one he beat was donald cerrone so he lost to habib got choked out got knocked out by dustin poirier who has john jones lost to besides a referee no one John Jones is a light heavyweight champion. He's defended that title how many times? How many times has Conor McGregor defended a title? Zero. Now, the outside the cage stuff, probably a wash as far as the UFC is concerned. So I don't, I don't see this. I don't see why we have this artificial idea that Conor McGregor is the, the biggest thing in the UFC history and is the biggest thing right now. Is he still the biggest thing? I don't know. I think some of his shine has come off after the Poirier loss. I believe that he'll still probably be top, you know, top two. Jones, I think, is the number two draw with the UFC. So, but if you look at what he's done compared to Conor McGregor, no comparison. John Jones has blown away Conor McGregor's achievements, blown him away as far as fighting goes, not as far as bringing money into the UFC goes. But if Jones, as he's said, has made two million per fight in in his last few fights, well, he's gotten ripped off, and I know that that's probably due to bad management and bad uh, bad contracts, and probably should have negotiated for every title fight. But it is what it is in that in that case. Um, so I don't know. I think this idea that Conor McGregor should be the bar is ridiculous because if I look at achievement. Then, then, Johns is by, then John Jones is by far the number one fighter in UFC history. No one's achieved what he has, and no one's done what he has. Conor McGregor is an is a entertainment, sure, but is he the athlete that John Jones is? No, so let's, let's dismiss that because what you make should be based on a little bit of two things, what you've achieved and your drawing power. And what Jones has achieved exceeds McGregor by far. And what Jones is drawing power is, he's number two to McGregor. So it's not like it's a world apart. Plus, this is the heavyweight fight. Heavyweight fights always, always, always draw more casual interest. Will it draw more casual interest than a Conor McGregor fight? I don't know. But it probably will be, if the UFC promotes it properly probably one of the top 5 biggest fights in UFC history because it's you could you could promote this with ease across every sport and get interest in this fight card just this fight rather it would be so it's so easy to promote John Jones and Francis Ngannou it's a slam dunk if you make an effort i don't know if the ufc would make an effort because of what it has in its deal with espn it has guaranteed money so why would it spend extra money to promote it would have to do the math there. And if I'm doing the math there, my money's going into the promotion because it's, it's a slam dunk. Like I said, it's a heavyweight fight. You could, you could draw all kinds of history into heavyweight fights. And you have two of the top fighters in the UFC with two different styles. Both men are pretty much, when they incorporate their styles, unstoppable. So why why not make that effort? And if you make that effort, well, then the money's there. And here's the other thing. The money's there. The money's there. This is what I would ask Daniel Cormier, too. We have this fantasy that Conor McGregor's money is the limit. But even with Conor McGregor making that money, the UFC is still at an to 80-20 to split with the fighters in revenue. So they can maintain that revenue or maybe you know go off of it a little bit. But they're still going to be making the majority of the money, throughout the year majority of it and there's ways the ufc can tweak its scheduling to still hit 80 20 it's not like this one fight is going to blow the ufc's year because if if promoted properly it could make the ufc's year especially if you're going to have another kind of mcgregor fight then the income is incredibly increased if you have jones and mcgregor fighting multiple times in one year Think about how much more income is going to be coming in. And then you can do it where there are crowds. Think about the money that can be charged for tickets. So if you look at this big picture and ignore the the, the fantasy that 80-20 is the right split and Conor McGregor gets most money no matter what, then John Jones deserves $15 million. Does he deserve $20 million? I mean, if we're going to look at history, 20 is probably top, 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 top of the line. But he's already said he's not going to do it for 10 because he knows 10 is kind of a, a the basement of Conor McGregor money. And so he's working within the framework. He's working within the framework. So 10 to 15, is it 12? Maybe. Is it 15? I would say definitely. If you give Jones 15, which I think he deserves, and Minganu 15 because he's the champion, and I think which he deserves, I think... You're gonna be fine here. The UFC is not gonna lose money, even if it pays John Jones twenty million. Let's let's let's. That's a fantasy. Now, Daniel Cormier is the wrong man to ask about this because Daniel Cormier is has and will be will always be a company man. So, if you ask, I think the big question to ask Daniel Cormier in this situation is, do you think Conor McGregor is underpaid? The answer should be yes. Do you think Habib Nurmagomedov was underpaid at eight to ten? The answer should be yes. Do you think the 80-20 revenue split with the UFC getting 80% is fair? The answer should be no. So if if Cormier removed himself from this as a UFC employee and looked at it honestly, he would say, I hope he would say, John Jones deserves $15 million. Because he does. Because it's not going to ruin the UFC. And if the UFC spends a little it's gonna make a ton more with this fight. This is the fight to make. The only thing preventing it is this fantasy that 20 has gotta be where the split is, and Conor McGregor's gotta be the highest-paid fighter in UFC history. None of that is true. Jon Jones deserves fifteen million dollars for this and pay-per-view points. Anyone that thinks otherwise is is believes Dana White when he when he tries to tell you these fantasy numbers. But the reality is, Cormier is a UFC employee. He's not going to, and he doesn't like John Jones. Why are you asking him this question? Come on. Come on. John Jones deserves everything he get, get, gets for this fight. And what he gets should be at least $15 million. It should be. And McGregor should be getting less than Jones at this point and less than Poirier at this point too, or the same as Poyer because he got knocked out. I don't understand this idea of McGregor getting the most money when he, he's, he's been losing. Achievement and draw should have something to do with pay. Not just draw, not just, I like this guy. And, I, and the UFC can do what it wants because it doesn't have a CBA. But I think the UFC needs to get, on, get with the program here and reward its fighters for what they do. Otherwise, you know, it's just a business, and all it's there is to draw profits, as much profits as possible, and not, as the Fertita brothers would tell you, not put on the best fights. They always said the UFC puts on the fights the fans want to see. Well, if the UFC puts on the fans the fights the fans want to see, it's going to need to spend a little more and make a little more, maybe risk a little more to put this Jones fight on, but it'll pay off. No one's losing money on this fight, no one. Unless they try to pin John Jones and Francis Ngannou ten million or less each, then the fighters are losing, and that's that's what the UFC wants. And on that note, I'm going to call it a day. I'll be I'll probably be back tomorrow. I had a couple things I did not get to cover here, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, until then, everyone stay safe. <music>